Good morning, Glad Tidings, and Happy New Year. Yeah. Can we, can we say thank you, Jesus, for the 61 people who are baptized this morning? Can we put our hands together for that? Isn't that incredible? Some of you signed up, but you didn't show up. I got good news for you. We're doing this again in four weeks. So uh, the last Sunday of this month, we'll be baptizing again. And I have decided to follow Jesus this morning. You can wear one of those T-shirts uh, when you get baptized. Uh, I want to talk to you about baptism this morning. Some of you are thinking, man, why is Pastor Walt wearing his running shoes? Uh, I wanted to hit the ground running this year. Uh, just off to a great start. Here we go, Jesus. We had over 500 people last year make decisions for Christ. That's more than we've ever had in, in a decade or so in, in one year's time. And so we're just rejoicing in that. But this morning, I want to just unpack this thing that we just saw called water baptism. Why did God choose this symbol of our salvation? So we're going to dive into that just a little bit this morning. Uh, and we're going to find out that baptism really is about identity. Uh, water baptism is about I, our new identity in Christ. Um, back in the year 2002, a, a very, very popular movie came out called The Born Identity. Uh, maybe you remember that. It was starring Matt Damon as Jason Bourne. And Jason Bourne was this uh, military guy. He was this special ops guy. And he went on this special mission to, uh, to assassinate somebody. And uh, the assassination attempt failed and... Um, and while that happened, he was shot in the back twice and was thrown overboard over the ship and uh, was left to die. Well, he survived his injuries, but he suffered from severe amnesia. He had no idea who he was. No idea. And for the rest of the film, it's fascinating. He's trying to find out who he is. He's trying to discover his born identity, his true identity. And, and I got to thinking, you know, all of us here this morning, we were born with an identity. We had a born identity. When we were born, the doctor or the nurse said, it's a boy or it's a girl. We had this, this new this identity coming into the world. We had this gender. We had these parents, mom and dad, and we were given this name. And, and what was true about mom and dad was true of us. What they had was now mine. We had this, this whole identity. And the truth of the matter is, is that's, that's not only true of our natural birth, it's also true of our spiritual birth. Uh, when we are born again, we have a born-again identity. And I want to look at that this morning. Some of you are suffering from, from uh, amnesia. And, uh, and, and you've, you, you don't know who you are. You don't know your, your identity. And I want to remind you of your identity um, before Christ and your identity after Christ. Two things happen when you receive this new identity. The Bible says that there are some things about you that pass away. And there are some things about you that become new. So let's talk about what passes away and what becomes new this morning. Can we do this? How many of you are glad that 2016 has passed away? <laughs> all right, you're ready for 2017. I am with you, all right? Um, I am so with you. I'm ready for this new year. Uh, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. 
And let me read it again in a different translation. This is from the, the New Living Translation. I like the way it's said here. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has come. Somebody's excited this morning. So when you get baptized, you are declaring to the world that the old you has passed away and the new you has come. The old you is no more. There is a new you. And this is the new year with the new you this morning. Okay, those of you who are baptized, you were declaring, I have a new identity. Some things have passed away. Some things have come. And what you've done is you are declaring that your life is now identified with the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so your old life, you're saying my old life was crucified. My old life was dead and buried. And I have this new life that's been raised up through the power of the spirit. Becoming a Christian is all about a new identity. So many times we our identity is locked into um, locked into our culture or where we came from, our country, or maybe the color of our skin or uh, some kind of preference that we might have. But all of that changes. All of that becomes new when Christ becomes our identity. And the first visible sign of our new identity is water baptism. I want to take you to John chapter three this morning as we unpack why, why water baptism. John chapter three, there's a story about Nicodemus and we're going to look at this man. His name is Nicodemus. Nicodemus had a born identity. He was born a Jew and uh, not only was he a Jew, but he became a Pharisee and the Pharisees of that day, there were 6,000 Pharisees. The Pharisees of that day, they were the most spiritual people in Israel. Okay, they uh, they were Pharisees and that word Pharisee means separated ones. So these six thousand men, they were separated ones and and they had taken a, a pledge early on in their life. They had taken a pledge to dedicate themselves to the law of God. The first five books of the Old Testament, they would memorize those first five books of the Old Testament they would try to add to it even their own laws, their own ceremonial laws. They would make up all these laws about how to keep the Sabbath day holy. And they were considered to be very, very holy, holy men. And they, they lifted up the law as the most spiritual thing in, in the universe. The law of God, the first five books of the Old Testament. And they believed that if they could keep the law, that they could be saved, that they could experience salvation. So Nicodemus, he was not only born a Jew, he became a Pharisee and not just a Pharisee. He became part of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the Jewish Supreme Court of that day. There were 70 members on the Sanhedrin and Nicodemus was one of them. So this guy is a very high standing among the Jews. He not only born a Jew, but he became a Jew, a, a Jew of Jews, if you will. And not only that, but he was also very, very wealthy. And we discover that later on in the book of John, after Jesus died on the cross and he was getting they were getting his body prepared for burial. The Bible says that Nicodemus came along and he brought some spices. He brought the um, 
the myrrh and he brought the aloes and he was brought those things to help prepare Jesus's body for burial. And those things were very, very expensive back in that day. And only a wealthy person was able to buy those and provide those. So here we have this guy with his born identity. He's a Jew. He's a Pharisee. He's part of the Sanhedrin. He's very, very wealthy. How many of you know this guy thinks he's something, right? I mean, he's very secure, very confident. Uh, In his own identity. But what he didn't realize was that though he was born with Jewish DNA, he was also born with sinful DNA. He inherited the spiritual DNA of his father, Adam. How many of you know that whatever color or culture or country that you identify yourself with, we all came from Adam? Okay, we all came from Adam. Hate to break the news, but it's true. Uh, Adam and Eve, we all came from, so we're descendants of Adam and Eve. And in that sense, Adam and Eve were our first parents. And we have their both physical and their spiritual DNA here this morning. Each one of us, every one of us. We got the same human gene from them that we got the the sinful gene from them. Uh, Both those genes were passed on to us from our first parents. And uh, no matter how hard you try not to be human... You remain human because of the DNA you got from Adam and Eve. No matter how hard you try not to be a sinner, right? You remain a sinner. Why? Because of the spiritual DNA, sinful DNA you inherited from Adam and Eve. They were our first parents. Okay. now let's jump to John chapter three. We're talking about Nicodemus. And here's what it says. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. And after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, which means teacher, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evident that God or evidence rather that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Let's just pause there for a moment. Here we have this man, Nicodemus, who's very confident in his born identity He's coming to Jesus at night, perhaps because he doesn't want his peers to know that he's having this private meeting, or it could be he just wanted one-on-one time with Jesus. We really don't know why it was at night. We do know that there was some questions, there was some, there was a hunger inside of Nicodemus to to meet with Jesus, and perhaps he was coming to Jesus to to lift up his own identity. Uh, his own born identity. Look, I'm a Jew. I'm a part of this. I'm part of that. Look at all these credentials that I have. But Jesus cut right to the chase. Didn't even let him finish his sentence, if you will. And he said, he said, Nicodemus, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. In verse number four, what do you mean? Exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. So let's unpack this thing, because Jesus says twice, you must be born again. You must be born again. Then he explains what it means to be born again. He said, you must be born of water and the spirit, born of water and the spirit. Unless you are born of water and the spirit, you cannot inherit this thing called the kingdom of God. You can't inherit um, heaven. OK, so what did Jesus mean when he said, unless you are born of water? What does that mean? 
Did he mean you must be water baptized to be saved? Is that what he meant? No, we know that's not what he meant because we know that the saints in the Old Testament, according to Hebrews chapter 11, it says that they were saved. They were able to enter the kingdom of heaven. How were they able to enter when they were never baptized? They entered by faith, Hebrews chapter 11 said. It's the hall of faith, right? All of these Old Testament saints entered into the kingdom of God by faith. How about the thief on the cross? We call him the repentant thief on the cross. How was he able to enter heaven that day? Was he able to get baptized? No, they broke his legs. He died there on the cross. But on that day, he cried out to Jesus for mercy. And Jesus said, today you will be with me where? In paradise. And what saved the man on the cross? And what saved the Old Testament saints? It was their faith that saved them. So water baptism doesn't save anybody. Water baptism is a symbol of our salvation, just like my wedding ring that I'm wearing today. I could go out and buy a ring and put it on my finger. Does that make me married? No, it does not make me married. It's simply a sign of the covenant relationship that I entered into with my wife this year, 25 years, 25 years coming this July. So this is a big year, right? So it's a symbol of that relationship I have. And baptism is a symbol of the relationship that we have with God. It doesn't save us. It just symbolizes our new identity in Christ. Most of you here this morning would understand that that Jesus died for you. Christ died for you. And can I tell you, that's only half of the good news. The other half of the good news is that you died with him. You died with him. And most of the time, we don't consider death to be good news. We think it's good news that Jesus died, but I'm not sure it's good news that I died with him. Right? To have the whole gospel, the good gospel, the good news, you've got to understand not just that Christ died for you, but that you died with him. Romans chapter 6, verse number 3, Paul said this, He said, or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? In the New Testament, baptism is always connected with death and not birth. Baptism is always connected with death. So somebody who is baptized today could say, you know, if somebody say, hey, what happened to you? Do? What, what, what happened to you today? They could say, well, I died today. I died today. Because baptism means death. Baptism is a, a symbol of our death. Every time baptism is used in the New Testament, it refers to death and not birth, not spiritual birth. When Jesus said you must be born of water, he was talking about our spiritual baptism, our death with Christ. In other words, what he was saying to Nicodemus that day is if you want to be born again, something has to die before something can live. If you want to be born again, you have to be born of water, symbolizing the waters of baptism. If you want to be born again, there has to be a death Before there can be a resurrection. By the spirit of God. Baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo, which means total immersion, total immersion. 
This isn't halfway. Did you notice everybody that was getting baptized? They got dumped. They got completely wet, right? They got totally immersed, totally covered. A complete death to the old man. Okay? That's what that symbolized. The complete death to the old man. Like in the ancient days, they would take a piece of cloth and they would plunge that piece of cloth into a vat of dye. They would pull that cloth out and that cloth now became the color of that vat of dye. It was completely baptized in that dye. Or like a ship that would, that would sink down into its grave to the bottom of the ocean floor. It would become totally immersed and it would become one with the ocean. That ship, the Titanic, has been baptized. Totally immersed. One with the ocean. And Paul says, very interesting, notice he says that we have been baptized into Christ. Christ hasn't been baptized into us. Sometimes we get the idea that we are the ocean and Jesus is the ship. And Jesus is baptized into us. Jesus sinks down into our life. But the truth of the matter is Jesus is the ocean and we're the ship and we sink down into his life. We don't invite Jesus into our life. He invites us down into his In verse number four. It says this for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. Again, Jesus didn't die to improve our life. Listen carefully. He died. He died. He died for our lives to pass away. He's inviting your old life, your old nature, that sinful DNA part of you. He's inviting that old part of you to die with him on the cross. All of your sin, all of your shame, all of your good works, Nicodemus, nailing it to the cross and then throwing it into the grave to rot and stink for three days to make sure it's completely dead. That's what God, that's what Jesus did when he died on the cross and we died with him. You see, back in those days, um, they wouldn't consider a person dead until they had been in the grave for three days. So Lazarus, see how many of you know God knew what he's doing when he let Lazarus there to stink for three days, right? How many days was Jesus in the tomb? He was for three days. So there was no undisputable, there was no, there was no argument that Jesus was dead. There was no argument that Lazarus was dead. They were dead. About as dead as you can be. And then God brought about a supernatural resurrection. And brought them up as new. And if that's interesting to you. If you're interested in your old man dying. Then I've got good news for you today. You can be born again. Can I tell you this morning that you cannot have a resurrection. Without a funeral. You cannot have a resurrection without a funeral. Many want the new life that Jesus offers while keeping or holding on to their old life. And the reason that they, they want to hold on to their old life is because they have not seen what the old life truly is. They haven't had that revelation of how, how, sinful, how, how sinfully sinful they are at their heart of hearts. They have not had the revelation that... That within me, within my heart, dwells no good thing, the Bible says. 
And so many times people, boy, they want that resurrection. But man, they don't want the funeral. They don't want to die. They, they want to hold on to, to that part of them. They, they're, they're just not convinced it's as bad as, as, as somebody has once said it is. So I want to hold on to that part and I want the resurrection as well. One form of capital punishment that the Romans would often use was they would handcuff a corpse to the back of a condemned prisoner. So the prisoner was was given the death penalty. And the way they would carry out that death penalty is they would take a dead body, a corpse, and they would they would tie or chain that body onto the back of that condemned prisoner. And they would they would handcuff hand to hand and they would chain him foot to foot and on his back. And that that prisoner who's condemned to die had to carry around that corpse wherever he went. And what would happen is as that corpse began to decay and as that corpse began to rot, the infection in that corpse would would become an infection in that condemned to die prisoner. And it wasn't long that that infection began to grow in that condemned prisoner and he began to slowly die until he was dead. It's a vivid illustration of the Apostle Paul's cry in Romans chapter 7 verse 24 where he cried out and he said, What a wretched man am I! Who will save me from this body of death? And then he said, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, the Bible says that we are born spiritually dead. We are born with a corpse attached to our backs and it's slowly killing us. And until we have that revelation, we are no different than the mortician who's trying to make the dead look like the living. We have to come to that place where our sinfulness, the sinfulness of our sinful condition has to hit us with such a force that we can't wait to shake that thing off. Can't wait to get that thing off. Can't wait to get rid of it. And when you are ready to get rid of it, you'll gladly have your funeral. You'll gladly identify with Christ in the waters of baptism. You'll gladly say, you know what? That's who I used to be, but that's not who I am anymore. You'll gladly say that old man I used to be was killing me. You'll gladly say that old thing. It was like a corpse. It was it was taking the very life out of me, taking my body. So I have a question for you this morning, and that is this. Tell me about the day that you died. Tell me about your funeral. You see, the reason some of you don't have a resurrection story is because you don't have a funeral. You can't talk about a new life because your old life hasn't died yet. You haven't passed through the waters that Jesus said. If you're going to be born again, he said, he said, you have to be born of the water of that death and born of the spirit. You can't have a resurrection until you have a funeral. Some of you are going to have your funeral today, your spiritual funeral right here in this room. And there's going to be a time of death. And there's going to be a time of birth. Some of you are trying to live the resurrected life and you haven't yet had your funeral. Listen, I've been to a lot of funerals. I've conducted a lot of funerals. And you know what we do at funerals? We say goodbye. We say goodbye. Some of you need to say goodbye to that person. That dead thing that's hanging on you. That's taking the very life out of you. 
You need to say goodbye. You need to have your funeral today. You need to catch the the stench of your condition and go, you know what? I'm not going to live like this anymore. This past this past week, we noticed an odor in our house. And it, it continued to get worse. And I had I had no idea what it was. Our in-laws are living are, are staying with us, and I knew it wasn't them. <laughs> they were visiting for the holidays, and you know. But every time our our Saint Bernard, our big dog Opal, came up to my, to me, I could smell it. And I've smelled that smell before, and it's the smell of death. Something was dead, and I thought surely there was an animal in the backyard that died, and Opal got into this animal, and she's smelling like this dead animal. The next morning, I think it was Wednesday morning, I get up, and, and the whole house reeks like there's a dead animal in our house. I thought, what in the world is this? And so Opal comes up to me, and but this time Opal was kind of you know don't touch me, and so so I. I did a little investigation and I looked up under her neck and she had this she had this uh, festering sore underneath her collar of her neck where it had the collar wasn't too tight or anything, but she had this big sore and it was oozing and it was it was absolutely disgusting. It was death. So what did I do? I just ignored it. I figured it'd go away. Yeah, it's no big deal. It'll get better on its own. Is that what I did? No, sir. No, man, man. I got some rubber gloves on. I put my boots on up to here. I got the hose in the garage. I got the bucket of soap and I got the disinfect. I mean, we're going to get this thing cleaned up, right? Because if I don't do something about this, this dog isn't going to be here very long. Are you with me? And, and, and it's a, a disgusting illustration, but I want you to understand. You got to get to that place where you smell something and you go, that's not right. There is something dead going on here that's attached itself to me. And I can't, I can't live like this anymore. I got to get rid of this dead corpse. And we did our best to clean up Opal and call the vet. And they said, you did good, but you need to bring her in. <laughs> and they took her and they shaved her whole neck and shots and all this medicine. And man, they're going to get her healthy and she's doing great today. But you know what? It just didn't go away. I had to deal with it. I had to put the gloves on, the boots on. We had to get the, the antiseptic out. We had to take care of this infection before it resulted in death. This morning, listen, before you can get to the resurrection, you have to first have your funeral. You have to recognize your dying condition. And you have to say, you know what? I can't live like this anymore. And I'm ready to have my funeral. I'm ready to say, I'm ready to say goodbye to my old life. And Jesus said, if that's you, you're ready to be born again. Born of water, born of spirit. I want you to bow your heads with me. Maybe that's you and you're here today. You've caught the stench of your sinful condition. You inherited it from Adam and Eve. No matter how good you are, the Bible says that we're born sinners. And like Paul, the apostle this morning, you are you are inside. You're saying, oh, wretched person, am I who will save me from this body of death? You're ready to have a funeral for your old life this morning. You're ready to take on that new identity. And we can have your funeral. We can have your resurrection right here. 
How do we do that? The Bible says all who call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Prayer is a simple cry from your heart to the heart of God. The Bible doesn't give us a sinner's prayer to pray. It just gives us examples of people throughout history who have called on the name of God and were saved. People who decided, you know what, it's time for my funeral. It's time for me to to get rid of that dead old corpse that's attached to me, that's eating away at my life. That sin that's eating away, it's time. If that's you this morning, you're ready to have your funeral and you're ready to have your resurrection. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. And I'm going to pray with you right where you're at. We're going to call on God together. and We're going to say, God, kill this old man with Jesus on the cross. Kill that old nature and raise me up a new person today. If that's you on the count of three, raise your hand and we'll pray together. One, two, three. Hands nice and high. Nice and high. If you have your hand raised up, just look at me, would you? God bless you. See your hands over here. Thank you so much over here. You're ready to say goodbye to that old man, that old nature today. Some of you for the very first time are raising your hand. I see probably two or three dozen hands raised today. Can I tell you in the first service, somebody came, they raised their hand. They came up to me afterwards and they said, I have never been to church my entire life. This is the first time I've ever stepped into the doors of a church. And she said to me today, I'm having my funeral so I can have my resurrection. If you raised your hand, I want to pray with you right where you're seated. I want to call on God with you. I want you to pray from your heart, pray from your mouth, however you want to pray. But I want you to begin to cry out to God. And we're going to say, God, we feel like Paul, wretched man am I, who will save me from this body of death. Jesus, we confess that you are our Savior today. Jesus, we want to have our funeral right now to the old man, that old sinful nature. We see that old man, that old nature, crucified with Jesus on the cross right now. We're dying to that thing that's killing us. We ask you, God, that you'd forgive us for all the horrible things we've ever done. We ask, God, that you'd cleanse us. We ask, God, that you would resurrect us, a brand new person in Jesus. And we thank you, God, today that we have a new identity. Thank you, God, that today we we have identified with the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I have never put my hands together at a funeral and said, thank you, Jesus. But why don't we just do that right now? Can we do that? Thank you, God, that we are no longer alive, but you are alive in us. The old man has passed away. (laughs) Thank God. Time of death, 12-12, January 1, 2017. Time of birth. 12-12, January 1, 2017. Congratulations. Now, as we wrap up, I want to 
jump right back to a couple verses because I want you to understand what happens right after your funeral, okay? Here's what happens. Verse number six says, We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. Something, you just lost something. You lost sin's power over your life. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. You are no longer under the control over the dominion of sin. It can't boss you around, kick you around, treat you like a puppet. It can't do that anymore. The day of your funeral today, the power of sin has been broken over your life. It's been broken over your life. Verse number 10 says this, when he, meaning Jesus, when Jesus died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. So what's Paul saying here? He's saying, although we have died with Christ, we have to consider ourselves dead. We have to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. In other words, uh, what happened a few minutes ago for several of you, a couple dozen of you, is now history. Okay? You have died with Christ. That old man died with Christ. It's no longer alive. But today, in every moment look, moving forward, tomorrow morning, uh, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, you have to reckon yourself dead. You have to consider yourself dead to sin and alive. In other words, you have to remind yourself every day of your new identity in Christ. You have to remind yourself every day that you're born again. And the way that you became born again was by water and by spirit. It was by death to the old man and life by the spirit. Every day you have to remind yourself, that's not who I am anymore. Anytime you're tempted, you have to say, you know what? That power has been broken over me. I've had my funeral, devil. You have no grip on me. This temptation doesn't have to hold me down. And you say, I'm not alive to that thing anymore. I'm now alive to Jesus Christ. And you have to do it every day. I died way back there. Back in 1986 on Easter Sunday, I died back there. But I have to die every day. Meaning, I remind myself every day of my funeral. All right? Are you with me this morning? And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying we have to remind ourselves every day that the old life was nothing but a rotten corpse chained to our backs, slowly taking our lives. We have to remind ourselves every day. And Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. He said this. He said, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. We don't want that thing anymore, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, I hope you put some some new clothes on or clean clothes on every day when you get up. Right. And so what Paul is saying, man, every day when you get up, you got to put on the new self. 
You got to put on the new self every day. You can't just say, well, shoot, 20 years ago, I, I put on some new clean clothes. Aren't they the same? Aren't they working just fine the next day and the next day and the night? No, you got to put on the new self every single day. You have to remind yourself of that funeral back then. You have to remind yourself of that resurrection that happened back then. Are you with me? It's not enough for January 1 of 2017 to have that death and that resurrection. You got to remind yourself every day. And the best way to do that is reading the word of God. Because the Bible tells us who we are, our new identity in Christ. And that's why we encourage it. We push it. We promote it. We, we really, really this time of the year, man, start your day off reading the word of God. Our encouragement to you is read the Bible every single day this year, every single day, whether it's five minutes or five hours, knock yourself out, man. We've got Bible reading plans. You can get all that stuff at the table in the lobby. We've got Bibles for sale, one-year Bibles. They're great because you just turn to today's date and you read. And then the next day, you turn to the next day's date and you read. Real simple stuff. We want to teach you how to pray. We want to, we want to encourage you to come to, to this prayer conference starting Friday night. Man, we are so, we're stoked about this. Wind, fire, and rain. We're going to worship together Friday now that crazy. We're going to hear some incredible preaching. We're going to respond to God's word. We're going to learn about prayer like never before. And the other thing I want to bring to your attention is we have two small groups that are starting next Sunday morning. One at 9.15 or 9.30 rather and one at 11.15. And they're new believers small groups. For six weeks we're going to meet together right here on this campus in one of our classrooms. And we're going to learn about our new identity in Christ. It's really important. Very important. So we want to take some baby steps with you. If, you if, if you're new to this, maybe you just had your funeral and resurrection today, or maybe it was 10 years ago, but you feel like, man, you just missed this, this ID thing, you know, who I am in Christ thing. Well, we're going to go into that over the next six weeks, and that starts next Sunday. You can stop by our information center for sign-up cards on that, but we also have, uh, we're going to have them right down here at the, at the altar here as we close this service. And here's what I want to do as we close. Uh, there were a lot of you that raised your hands. Uh, a lot of you. Um, and I want to just say, uh, I'm so glad that you, um, that you caught the stench of your sinful condition today. I'm so glad that you were awakened to that. I'm so glad that you're saved today. And I want to rejoice with you. And I want everybody in here to rejoice with you. And so would you do me this favor? Would you stand to your feet if you raise your hand? We want to celebrate your death and your resurrection in Jesus Christ today. Would you do that? We're so proud of you. In the balcony, on the main floor, all over this auditorium. Come on, church. Come on, look what God is doing. Look what God is doing. God, thank you. Thank you. Man, so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Some of you are standing for the first time. Others are standing and saying, you know what? I did this 10 years ago, but that old man came alive and I want to stand too. And I want to reckon that old man dead. I want to remember that funeral I had 10 years ago. Maybe that's you or five years ago. And you want to stand to your feet. You stand to your feet too. You say, I'm reckoning that thing dead. I am not alive to that thing anymore. That sin no longer has power, no longer has control over me. I love it. I love it. And here's what I want you to do. I want everybody to stand now. 
everybody to stand. I want our prayer workers to come and line up here at the front because our prayer workers, they've got information about that new believer small group. Uh, they've got a, they've got a little gift they want to give to you. So those of you that stood, I want you to take just a few minutes. Don't leave. Don't leave without coming to the front. I want you to come to the front and get the stuff from our, our prayer workers. It's going to help you grow. You'll have an opportunity to sign up for our new believer small group, or at least take the information with you. Um, listen, this is very, very important. I'll be down here as well. I'd love to shake your hand. I'd love to greet you. Uh, I'd love to celebrate your funeral and your resurrection today. How many of you are glad you came to church on New Year's Day, huh? Thank God for our new identity. All right, Lord, as we go from this place, Lord, I thank you. Thank you for reminding us of baptism today, God. God, I pray that every day you would teach us how to live out this new identity that we have in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You raise your hand, please come forward. The rest of you be dismissed. And have a wonderful New Year's Day. In Jesus' name.